0: Well, we started talking about peace, perfect peace, last week, and I had given you a, a basic uh, test, a way that you could determine if you really have, if, a way that you could know if you really have this peace we're talking about. Does anybody remember what that little test was? Sing. Has anybody been singing? Two hands? Okay, all right. Okay, good. Well, I said, this is exactly what I said. One way to know if you have peace is when you find yourself in unpeaceful settings, can you sing? You know, just like the little song that we just now listened to, praising God in a storm. Is a storm the place that you really are inspired to sing at? Not usually, but to be able to praise Him and to sing Him in very unpeaceful settings is an indication that you have that peace that passes all understanding. Some I came across uh, in the news this past week, it said, Get ready for even more brutal weather across much of the United States. The epic storm system that has claimed dozens of lives is barreling east, ready to drop ice and heavy snow in the Midwest and Northeast. I think we might be the Northeast. As well as intense terrain in the Southeast. All this comes as Missouri grapples with deadly flooding and North Texas tries to clean up from both tornadoes and snow. Sixty-nine tornadoes touched down in the past week. There have been 43 weather-related deaths in the past week across the country with the current severe storm system to blame. Many died after their cars were swept away by flood water. Hmm. Now, is this kind of a normal week in the United States? But there are some pretty intense storms. Now, do we ever have the equivalent to these natural, physical storms? Do we ever have storms in our lives? Maybe spiritual and maybe relational or financial or or something. Do we deal with storms? Sure we do. Can we praise God in the midst of storms like this? If you have the peace that passes all understanding... Yes, we can. And it is an indication, if you can sing during the storms, during those unpeaceful times, it's an indication you have the peace that passes all understanding. You have the prince of peace who rules and reigns. Uh, It says here in uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On the same day, when uh, when evening had come, Jesus, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Have you ever been out on a body of water when a big storm rose up. Anybody here ever been out there? Is it a little bit scary? Can be. Really scary. You know, years ago, I went out on a boat on the Santee, which is a huge lake. I mean, it's a huge lake down south. Uh, we were out there with my brother, and um, we were fishing. And uh, actually, as a matter of fact, while I was out there, uh, Judah and I together, it took us both to get him in. we caught a 52-pound catfish. A good-sized catfish. We froze him, brought him home. I thought I had like a world record or something. We checked the 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 record for that lake for that year was 108 pounds. So ours is just a little bitty fish in comparison. But with the the, the guy who was with us, who had the boat, who had all these special you know depth finders and fish finders and all those kinds of things, you know, we got into the area where the fish had just begun to bite really well. And on the horizon out there, you know, about as far as the eye can see, this is a huge lake, as I was saying, the darkest clouds, they were just as dark as night were coming our way, and you could see lightning bolts just flashing to the, to the uh, water, you know, and it was coming our way, and apparently that when the barometric pressure changes that way, it triggers the fish into biting, because they know the storms is coming or whatever, and uh, man, the fish are all around, and the, the guy whose boat is, this, he says, we got to go. We got to go to shore. I mean, it was going to take us a good little ways to get back to shore. He says, but we have to go. He says, number one, I will be fined if I'm caught out here in this storm with you guys with me. And number two, far worse than a fine, he said, there are hundreds of boats on the bottom of this lake right now because they tried to weather those storms. And, and it's such a big body of water. It's like the ocean out there. And he said, uh, a lot of times the, uh, the game wardens and all those guys come out, And uh, when a a person's boat is capsized, a lot of them, they can't get them out, so they just drill holes in the bottom of them and sink them so another boat doesn't hit uh, a submerged boat that's just floating underneath the edge of the water. But I can tell you, when you get in those storms, which we actually weathered another storm I I fished with my brother in a tournament in his boat, and we weathered the night in a storm where the bow of the boat was cutting through waves that was going over top of it. It's kind of scary, you know. So, uh, it just gives you a little picture of what's going on. It says in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves, they weren't beating on the side of the boat, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. That's kind of scary, I I, I think, for most people. And it goes on to say, But he, Jesus, was in the stern. Now, what part of the boat is The stern. It's the back. He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Tired of, you know, all the activities and ministering to people throughout the day. He was asleep. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Come on now, you know. These guys were scared. They really were. And they're they're questioning, hey, don't you care about us, you know? Now, what would you have been doing in that boat, you know? I mean, maybe you just got up on one of the seats there, like surfing, like, everything's okay. Jesus is here. Let's just enjoy this or something. Maybe. Listen to what he says. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And then he, Jesus, arose. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Talking to the water, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Happened instantly. Now, I don't know how far the water had to be calm to be calm around him. I don't know if those waves and the wind pushing it is coming from miles and miles away. But I know when he said, peace, be still, everything just went stopped immediately. You know, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. See, if Jesus can calm the sea, he can calm the soul. The storms that rage within us at times, he can calm that within us. And it says in verse 40, But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Now, let me ask you. If you was in a boat that was out in in a windstorm like that, and Jesus was there in the flesh with you, would you be afraid? He said, no. Are you sure? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus is here with us right now? Are you convinced of it? Have you been through any storms? Was you ever afraid during them? We would have probably been just as afraid as those disciples were. We probably would have been, but see, the reason was, is because they got their eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm. You remember when Jesus, on another occasion, was walking on the water, and there was Peter in the boat with the disciples, and he said, "Come," and Peter stepped out of the boat and he's walking out there to Jesus, actually walking on the waves. Walking on them. And he's doing fine and dandy until he got his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the waves, listening to the wind, and all. And he's thinking, man can't walk on water. So, having perfect peace in troubled times means we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. When you start looking at the trouble, when you start looking at the waves and listening to the wind and get your eyes off of Jesus, well, then things don't go as well for us. Here in the boat, it says to the disciples, you know, well, the water's beating into the boat, you know, the wind is blowing and carrying on, and they're fussing at Jesus. Don't you care that we're going to die out here, you know? Well, they're just looking at circumstances. And Jesus said in verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, when we are fearful, it's an indication that our faith level is very low. And we know faith comes by hearing God's word. But he said, how is it that you have no faith? That's, you're, that's why you're so fearful. Because, see, faith overcomes fear. And faith enables us to access peace that Christ has made available to us. And then he goes on to say in verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the, the sea obey him? Remember we talked about that, you know, peace is not the absence of trouble, but peace is really the presence of God, the Prince of Peace. And here we see Jesus was in the boat. And when you recognize that the Prince of Peace, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is here in the boat with you, there is no harm that can come to you. It depends, are you looking at Jesus or are you looking at unpeaceful circumstances? Do we really praise him in the storm? Can we really sing when unpeaceful situations are going on around about us? How does this relate to you? It says in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18, it says, Oh, that you had listened to my commands. Listen listen to God saying this to maybe you. Oh, that you had listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river, not like a destructive flood. Even in troubled times, If you listen to his commands and kept your eyes on Jesus, he said, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling like waves. Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, but he, talking about Jesus, was wounded and crushed for our sins, and he was beaten that we might have peace. Now, uh, the... uh, the movie The Passion of Christ is a real good biblical portrayal of what Jesus went through, the beating that he took before he went to a cross. That's very biblically accurate. And it says he was beaten that we might have peace. And the word peace here is a lot bigger word than most of us think. And we'll get into it one day. But that word peace means wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. It's talking about a wholeness. Jesus was beaten. He paid for us to be made whole. To have peace, the peace with God, and have the peace of God that affects us body, soul, and spirit. That's what he's talking about here. And then Romans 5, verse 1, it says, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And the very first thing we need to have in order for peace to really be ours is we have to have forgiveness, we must receive the pardon. We must receive the forgiveness that God has made available to us because without being forgiven, there is no peace because your past, the regret, the guilt, the shame of the past, it just gnaws away at us. But once we receive the forgiveness of Almighty God for all that we've ever done and and he makes that a reality, then we can have peace. In the uh, book of uh, Colossians, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let... The peace that comes from Christ. And it's a choice to let it happen or not let it happen. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Means means let the peace that comes from Christ rule to to govern, to control your heart. And then it's a very important verse I want to read to you. You've, You've heard me, if you've been around any length of time, you've heard me share this passage before. It's such a powerful verse every time I read it. And if we can get this passage in our life for 2016, it will change the course of your life in the next year for the better. No matter if it's even going good already, it'll only get better if we can apply this to our life. And, well, first off, let me uh, get something. (laughs) Now, I think I've dug this out before and showed it to you. You all remember? Have a clue what it is? You're right. It's a water filter. Now, I have, I have drank some pretty, pretty filthy water in my life, but it didn't hurt me because I used this. You know, if this is a Katahdin water filter. It's got a ceramic, you know, insert in there, impregnated with silver. So what it don't filter, any bad germs, it kills them. Because silver is a tremendous, powerful source to kill germs and bacteria, but it has no harmful effect upon you. And, um, you know, how many of y'all have a filter of some kind at home? How many of you you would say that the water coming out of your faucet has been filtered? Even if you don't have a filter there. If it's city water, it has a huge, massive filter before it's even in the the pipeline. And some people may have a, um, your own well. You so, say, well, my water's not filtered. Well, you know, I can actually make a filter in a survival setting. I can make a filter just by taking, I can take a, a bag to do it or like a, a bucket and cut the bottom out and stack it. Different layers of sand and gravel and grasses. Take some charcoal out of a campfire place and grind it up in there and make several layers about like this. And that's enough right there, and then you can pour some contaminated water in the top, muddy old contaminated water, and then what comes out the bottom, you have a little opening back there, it comes out clear and safe to drink. So, I have a well that we would get our water from. It's 750 foot down. Do you think 750 foot is deep enough for the water to have be filtered and purified the time it gets to that level down there? I think so. That's why we tap into all those reservoirs underneath the, the surface. But now, how many of you would care to, you know, so we're driving down the road and you're thirsty, and we just pull over on the side of the road and there's a ditch there somewhere, and I just get you a, a can I found laying on the road and just scoop you up some water. Would you be willing to drink that water? So it is important to keep the contamination out of your body. Is that right? I mean, you don't know if there's probably a, a raccoon that got hit in the road 100 yards up that is in that ditch. You don't know somebody stopped on the side of the road and they had to relieve themselves. And you say, Pastor, I can't believe you said that in church. Don't worry about it, my wife will fuss at me when I get home, okay? But that's okay. But hopefully you'll remember this lesson you don't want to drink water out of the ditch. But if he was with me and I throw this in there, we could drink that water and it would be absolutely pure and it wouldn't hurt you because it would filter all the contamination out of it. And if you are in a situation, you have no other water, I have drank out of mud puddles and places that you wouldn't care to drink many a times with this filter right here. You say, well, what in the world does that have to do with what you're talking about? I'm not sure. I just thought it'd be fun to tell you about that, you know? (laughs) No, actually, here is the filter. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. It's really verse 8, but let's read verse 6 and 7 leading up to it. Powerful passage. And it says, don't worry about anything. And no matter how many times we read that, we go, that's right. I'm going to remember that. We still, as humans we tend to worry about things, especially the things in our future, the things that we don't know about yet. There's a tendency to worry about it. And the Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If we invested just a small amount of the time that we normally would worry, if we invested a small amount of time praying, it would do us far greater good than worrying ever will do. Don't worry about anything said pray about everything, tell God what you need, and then thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7 says, if you will do this, don't worry about anything, said pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank Him for all things He's already done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And His peace will guard And we need to understand this, that peace, the peace of God, is a fully armed guard. No wimp, mind you. But his peace, it says, will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace is not some wimpy something. And Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, who had hand-to-hand combat with the devil and beat the stuffings out of him and rose from the dead, the Prince of Peace is no wimp. And he says, if we pray about everything, don't worry about it. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. If you'll do this, you're going to experience God's peace. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And verse 8 says, And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Now, these next words I'm going to read, these are the filter. Okay. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true. What's the next word? The next word is and. That's a very important word. Don't overlook it. It didn't say fix your thoughts on what is true or honorable or right. No. This is a string of filters. There's a filter and here's another one. Tap right into it. So all these eight filters we're going to read, you're going to filter everything through eight different filters so there's no contamination so it don't hurt you. And it says here, fix your thoughts on what is true. And the next word? And honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise you know over here where it says whatever is true is it also honorable it has to not it has to be true so well i'm going to think on the things that are true it's not very honorable and surely not good report it's not very lovely or anything but it's true well don't think on those things it has to be true and honorable right Pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And you will have pure, perfect peace. So this is the filter for 2016. And and you would never think of stopping on the side of the road, just dipping you up some water out of the side ditch there and drinking it because you'd go, Man, what am I taking into my body? It's going to contaminate me. I, I could get really sick or die. But lots of times we care less about what we put in our mind and our heart that is far more contaminated and will hurt us and will suffer the consequences in in the, the weeks and months to come. So it tells us, you know, what's true, that's a filter. Honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. Purify everything that comes into your mind and your heart Through these eight filters, remember, filters take out impurities. You're not going to open, and this filter will open up and I can clean it. You're not going to open that filter up and then lick the contamination off the outside of the the, uh, thing, are you? No, you you don't get rid of that. So you don't want the contamination... That, that's not coming into our belly, but it's coming into our mind, you don't want that contamination in there. It hurts you. There's consequences to that. It really is. So use these filters to maintain the peace of God. It's so important. Now, if your movies and TV and music and books and Internet searches, if those things can't pass through the filter, so it's stuck on the outside don't go and lick them off. If if it don't pass through the filter, then you don't want it in your mind and in your heart. When you're on the side of the road, if those contaminants can't go through the filter and you're just drinking the pure water, don't go and take the contamination and bring it in. But see, some people do with the things that they watch and the things that they read and the things that they listen to. Don't let those things into your heart and into your mind because it has consequences in 2016. So the, there's eight filters, and if you haven't already memorized Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, read the whole thing, but at least verse 8, there's eight filters that we should filter. Everything you watch, read, see, internet searches, everything you should filter, and if it won't go through that, well, then you don't want to take it into your mind or into your heart. Then he goes on to say in verse 9, keep, the apostle says, keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. Remember, peace is not the absence of trouble, but peace is the presence of almighty God. Father, we hear an emergency vehicle of some kind out there I don't know what's going on, but you do. And we ask that you'd help those people who are in need and help those who are responded, and and meet them where they're at. Help them, Father. Rescue them and draw them to the place of learning about you and being able to trust you as their Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, Dr. Eleanor Canarthy said, the average person has around 200 Negative thoughts, worries, jealousies, insecurities, forbidden cravings, etc. a day. That's the average person. That's us. The average person has around 200 negative thoughts, worries, jealousies, insecurities, forbidden cravings, and so forth a day. Depressed people. So a depressed person has around 600 negative thoughts you know, worries, jealousies, insecurities, forbidden cravings, etc. a day. So are you depressed? You've got a whole lot more that you're dealing with. Just an average person has a whole lot. You cannot eliminate all the thoughts that come to your mind, but you can determine which ones are going to stay there because you're going to filter them. Just because contaminants come up in the... my my pipe coming, trying to get in me, I can filter those things out. And we need to filter those contaminants that will try to hurt us in this upcoming year. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, God blesses those who work for peace. Now, one translation would call that a peacemaker. God blesses those who are the peacemakers, the people who work for peace, for they will be called the children of peace. Of God, see, you've received the peace of God by receiving the prince of peace into your life, and He changes you and enables you in the midst of a storm to sing. He forgives you and he transforms your life. then we become a peace maker, and our highest goal in life now would be to introduce the Prince of peace to our friends and our loved ones, the people who are struggling and are miserable and, and all. So he says right here, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And if you'll remember the very first words that Jesus spoke to his disciples when they all got together in that little meeting, you remember, after the resurrection? They were in an upper room, and they were afraid, you know, Jesus, their leader, had been killed, you know, taken away from them. Their future was very uncertain. And listen what happens. In the book of John, chapter 20, Verse 19, it says, That evening, on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid, you know, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, the doors are locked, and suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Can't you imagine them all around, and they're talking about things, and Jesus goes, what's going on? You know, ah, you know. So this is kind of what's going on here. They're meeting behind locked doors. Suddenly Jesus is standing there among them. And, and the first words that Jesus says to them is, peace, be with you. First thing, peace, be with you. And, and if you'll remember, that's John chapter 20 and chapter 14 before the crucifixion. Jesus told them, he said in, in John 14, 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you. He's talking about the crucifixion that was going to come. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart now here in john jesus is standing there among them and he says verse 19 it says peace be with you he said and then the next verse verse 20 says as he spoke he held out his hands for them to see now what was what was on his hands scars from the nails you know if it, was, it was in his hands there and it says as he spoke he held out his hands for them to see And he showed them his side where that spear had pierced him. And and the Bible says water and blood poured out. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Well, he still offers the same peace. Peace be with you. He's still offering peace today. We know Jesus as the Prince of Peace. question to you is, do you have this peace, this perfect peace, this peace that passes all understanding, this piece is a security guard that will